Verse 8, are right, rejoicing the heart. Pastor Bill said it recently, that joy is an inward smile. God's word makes your heart rejoice because it tells of his love. It tells of the fact that even though we're all messed up in so many ways, God's love is still there for us. And that brings joy, that God's not finished with us yet, that we're not getting graded on how we did yesterday. We get rated, graded on the finished work of Jesus in our life. It all comes together today as we hear all the ways God has chosen to reveal himself to us. And spoiler alert, it's through everything. From the general to the specific, God leaves no method unused in order to make himself known to our hearts. As Pastor Daniel explains today, when we realize just how personal God gets, it's humbling. But it's a love like no other. And if you're desiring to be free, God is the only redeemer. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part three of his message entitled, Beautiful Day. I don't believe that David, in writing this psalm inspired by the Holy Spirit, was trying to get us to nitpick about what does each one mean, because this is what you would call being poetic. He could have used a million other words for these same things. He's going back. It's about the word of God. It's about the the words that God has given to us in the Bible. And he calls them by all these different things. Now, sure, there's some different variations in what all these words mean. The law, the Torah, speaks of the first five books, the testimony of the Lord, God's, um, what he's declaring is the truth, the statutes of the Lord. He's talking about statutes, commandments, judgments, all of these things. They all speak of, again, God's, what he's saying is right. The fear of the Lord is interesting that they would call God's word the fear of the Lord. Why? Well, because the fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of wisdom. So God's word is about wisdom. Together, these terms show the practical purpose of revelation, to bring God's will to bear on our hearts. That's why we have a book from Genesis to Revelation, because God wants his will to be born in our lives, in your life, and in my life. And as Christians, we are growing every single day in this regard. I said it a few weeks ago that if all we do is eat once a week on a Sunday, or for those of you who come out on Wednesday, twice a week, if all you eat is two meals a week, you're not going to be healthy. You have to feed yourself every single day. Every single day. Because God, that, this is how God's will is brought to bear in our life. As we read it, we have an alternative stimuli in our lives that cause us to live a different way. We get pumped with one way of living from our culture. Not all of it's bad, but not all of it is good either. So as we read the word, as we hear the word taught, as we marinate ourselves in the word, all of a sudden now we get a whole other way of looking at the world. The world says, be freaked out. And Jesus says, do not be afraid. The world says, it's all about you. You have to look out for yourself. If you don't look out for yourself, who will? And the Bible says you need to serve everybody and God's looking out for you. And on the fundamental foundational principles, there's a difference of opinion. 
Maybe some of the, the, the specific details may be the same. But God's word, it's his law. It's the fear of the Lord that brings wisdom. It's his ordinances, his testimony, how God is working. That's what's in Genesis to Revelation, what we call the Bible. Now, notice the adjectives or the qualities. Notice this. The law of the Lord is perfect. And the idea that it's blameless, it's sure. And the idea that it's trustworthy or faithful. Notice the statutes of the law of the Lord are right, which means it's upright, it's straightforward. The commandment of the Lord is pure. That means it's unmixed, it's flawless, it's clean, as opposed to dirty or unclean. It's true. Speaks of dependability or an absence of falsehood. And notice it says, the judgment of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear something is perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, true, and righteous, I think to myself, I need to know what that's all about. Because logic would dictate if you have access to what is right, what is true, what is pure, then you're going to say, hey, I want to live my life based on that. These are the qualities of the word of God. That's why they're there. Now, I want you to notice the verbs or the benefits here. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. I like that. God's word has a restorative quality that gives healing to the whole person by assuring forgiveness and giving life. Do you realize that, that we are all in the process of being transformed and converted every day? Sure, we're converted on the day of our justification, on the day of our salvation, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus. But then every single day, we are in the process of being converted all over again. Not that you get born again again. And again and again and again. Well, some of us have done that, right? Where we've gotten saved at church like a hundred times. You just like doing the walk down the aisle, right? You like hearing people cheer for you in church. It's not a bad thing. But the reality is that every single day, we need a good washing, don't we? We need to hear it again. I've heard it said this way, that we need the gospel as much today as on the day that we got saved, and I believe that. Every single day, I need to be reminded about what I believe, why I believe it, what's at stake if I choose to live in rebellion against it, because sometimes we forget, right? It converts the soul. It's about transformation. Isn't that what we really want? We all want to be transformed. Not the same old ho-hum life just trying to make it through. We're saying, God, I want to be changed, transformed from who I am on my own to who you are in me. Not only that, notice what it says in the second one. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. I like that. God's word makes us wise. And I love that, that dichotomy, making wise the simple. See, what's interesting is that in, we live in a culture, we have such access to education, not knocking it, big fan of it. But we have a tendency to say, hey, wisdom comes from all this information. God likes to make wise the simple that no one would glory in his presence. He makes, he used the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Not only that, look at what happens. The statutes of the Lord, this is verse 8, are right, rejoicing the heart. 
Pastor Bill said it recently, that joy is an inward smile. God's word makes your heart rejoice because it tells of his love. It tells of the fact that even though we're all messed up in so many ways, God's love is still there for us. And that brings joy, that God's not finished with us yet, that we're not getting graded on how we did yesterday. We get graded on the finished work of Jesus in our life. That brings joy to our hearts. Not only that, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. This brings clarity of vision. It helps us to see clearly. It takes us out of darkness, brings us into light. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. God's word is unchangeable. It's unchangeable. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And then in verse 10, we have another set of benefits, which I'll get to in a second. Now, this is why, because of God's word, it's a specific revelation. This is why Paul wrote this to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. It was inspired by God to make us complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. That idea of completion speaks of maturity. God's word brings us to maturity. You see why I say get your face in the book, right? If all these things are true, then we should be pursuing this radically. Listen to Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. For there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Wow. The word of God is like a laser. It goes down into our hearts and says, boom, here we go. Here we go. It's just separating out the motivations and the intentions. Why is this important? Because we're all naked before God. And we have to give an account to God. And God says, look, because I see everything and because you're going to give an account for your life, because I love you and I value your breath and your life that much, then I'm going to give you the word to help you understand where you're coming from and why you're coming from, that I can purify your way. Now, look at verses 10 and 11. This is how valuable God sees his own word as. Look what it says here. More to be desired than they are they than gold? Yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Do you see what it says? God's word is a more valuable commodity than two of the most valuable commodities in that culture, gold and honey from a honeycomb. That was the sweetest Flavor then, they didn't have high fructose corn syrup. But honey, that, that was the goods in that culture. And gold, I mean, gold is still the goods in every culture, right? Especially if you're worried about currency and all this stuff. God's word is more valuable than the things that we pursue. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't have jobs. I'm not saying we shouldn't pursue providing for our families, not saying any of that, but make sure we keep the main thing, the main thing. 
Pursuing the holy God through his word is of more value than as much gold as you could store up and as much pleasure as you can derive from even things that are not sinful. That's what it says here. And by it, notice God's word gives us warnings and it gives us benefits. Look at what it says. Moreover, by them, your servant is warned, instructs us where not to be. And in keeping them, there is great reward. It gives us benefits. The greatest benefit in your life is being a son or daughter of God through his word. Because you live differently. You have a different set of values. And those values are not your own values or our cultural values, but it's God's values. And I don't believe that if we follow God, that all of us are going to be without means either. I do not believe that poverty is necessarily spiritual. But you know what the thing that's awesome? If you follow God and God makes you a person of tremendous means... You just realize that you're just stewards of God's stuff for his glory. It's not all about you and selfishness. It's not about that. You're like, God has given me this so that I can help people. And guess what? If you're a person who doesn't have a tremendous amount of means, guess what? What you do have is for the same reason. We're all just stewards, not owners. We don't let our possessions possess us. We possess them and steward them for God's glory, all of us. From the richest to the poorest, from the most affluent to the least affluent. Because you know what's amazing? In God's economy, if we have him, we are all affluent. Because a man's life and a woman's life is not determined by the things we possess, but by who possesses our hearts. God's word, that valuable, that valuable. It warns us where not to be, and then it gives us the benefits in keeping them is great reward. Now, we're going to close. Last section, verse 12. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless. Now I shall be innocent of great transgression. Verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord my strength, and my redeemer. The final type of revelation is personal revelation. Personal. God loves you and wants to redeem you. Personal revelation. Think about it. God created everything, reveals himself generally. God gave us his word. It reveals him specifically. And because of God's general revelation and all that he's made, his specific revelation in his word, that's not enough for the Lord. He wants to reveal himself to you and to me. It's personal. It's personal. And David, as he writes this, he talks about God's glory and creation. Wow. He talks about God's specific revelation, his word. He says all these phenomenal things. It's so valuable. And then it gets personal for him. And I'll be honest with you. It's real easy to love science and know all these details about what God has made. And miss the point. It's real easy to love God's word and get real. I know all the details. You can name me all the books of the Bible. You can tell me all the genealogies from memory with proper Hebrew enunciation. And it's still not personal. There's all sorts of people. They love God and they're the most mean-spirited, grumpy. They'll spit at you out the side of their mouths. But they love the Lord. And if you even say one word wrong, they're going to slice you down. And you ask yourself, This is what God's word does to someone's heart. See, no, no. I believe that Jesus Christ came to the earth 
that God so loved the world that he gave his son that it might get personal for us. And because of God's glory in creation and the specificness of who God in his word, then we all come, we say, oh, Lord, woe is me. And we're humbled. We're humbled by this glorious God who creates everything, who's given us his perfect word. And now he says, look, I want to relate with you. And then David comes and he says, look, who can understand his errors? He's saying, oh, no, in the light of this glorious God, who can understand his errors? And he says, cleanse me from secret faults. That's faults of ignorance. These are faults that he doesn't realize he's doing. Do you realize that you have secret faults? You have things that you do that you don't even know that you do. But God knows. He says, Lord, cleanse me from those secret faults. Not only that, he goes on there because he's not saying, hey, I don't do anything wrong. Look at verse 13. Keep your servant back from presumptuous sins. These are not sins of ignorance. These are sins of rebellion. When we sin in a presumptuous way, when we know better, when people have warned us, when God himself has warned us, when we have warned others against the same sin, when we plan and relish in our sin, that's a presumptuous sin. You know what's amazing? All of us, all of us, we all have secret sins. We all have presumptuous sins. We all do. Every single one of us. And in the light of the glorious God of creation and the light of God's revelation in his word, like David, we say, Lord, help me. Cleanse me. Don't let these, this sinfulness have dominion over me. And notice his closing prayer. Verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord my strength, and my redeemer. You see how David gets back to his words now? First, it was the speechless speech of creation. Then it was God's word that he spoke to reveal himself specifically. And now he's like, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Brothers and sisters, this is where the rubber meets the road for each one of us. We can go out and smell the roses, see this glorious creation and realize that God is God. We can get our faces in the book and we realize all these things about ourselves. And then the last step is, how are we living our lives? Does the words of our mouth betray the testimony that we hold? It needs to reach street level. That's what it does. God's word, theology, science, it needs to reach street level in you and me through a transformed life. And David's final prayer is saying, Lord, let the things that I say and the meditations, the mutterings of my heart, the things my heart ponders, let them be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, my strength and my redeemer. See that? Because God is glorious in creation, his perfections are there. Because God's word wants to do all these amazing things in our life, and it's more valuable than gold, more sweet than honey. Because of that, God wants to redeem us. David knows this. Oh, Lord, my strength and my redeemer, I need to be delivered. I need to be set free from myself that I may live to you, oh God. That's what David ends with this mighty warrior, this great king, this phenomenal musician, he gets to the end. He says, oh, Lord, redeem me. For some of us in here today, 
You stop, smell the roses, you got your face in the book, but you got, you got struggles. Actually, let me rephrase that. We all got struggles. We need redemption. Salvation is not only spiritual, it's also emotional, physical, mental, it's all of these things. The very first word of the gospel is the word repent, which means to turn. That's all it means. It's, it means you hear the word repent, you think of some guy who needs a shower, standing on a soapbox, yelling at people. Repentance is not an angry word. It's a word of love. It's like a, hey, I love you enough to make a U-turn. Because God wants to redeem us, God will not redeem us if we do not want it. If we do not ask for it. We need to turn. If you're in here today, you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, but you know you have presumptuous sin in your life, you just need to turn. And you know what's amazing? God doesn't judge you and neither will we. Because we all got stuff. God's working on all of us. I'm so grateful that God ain't done with me yet. I'd be so sad if this is all we get. It's not done with us yet. It's not finished. We're in process, all of us. But there's also some of us in here today, you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. Maybe you look around at the things you made, you're enamored and in awe by what you see. Maybe you've never even opened up God's word before and you're thinking to yourself, wow, if that's stuff pure and clean and righteous and true. I need to get involved in that. But I'll be honest with you. If it's going to be personal for you, it begins with putting your faith and trust in Jesus. Right there when you say, God, not my own way, but your way. Lord, I've, and let's be honest. You've been doing your own way. You know what that's like. I sure know what that was like. Do it my own way. You know what's amazing? I've been walking with the Lord for 15 years, and I still know what it's like to do it my own way sometimes. Because I could be presumptuous. But I believe that God has you here today, right now, right now, to hear this message. God loves you and he wants to redeem you. He does. He sent his son, Jesus, to come here for you. He drew you here by whatever means you got here because God wants you to know that he loves you. And he wants to reveal himself in you and through you and to you very personally in a way that only you would know. It doesn't have to make sense to anybody else, but it will make sense to you. And God does that because he loves you. And God knows in order to love you rightly, he needs to free you from yourself. And that is why he sent his son Jesus to die. That is why for thousands of years, since the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus, people proclaimed it. And for thousands of years before that, people waited for this, waited for the coming of the Son of God. But today's the day. I don't know about you. I want to put legs on this stuff. I want just to rattle around in my brain. What good does that do? At best, it's a good conversation piece. God wants it lived out in our lives. We need to say, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh Lord, my strength, my redeemer. Jesus is real. Our hearts break for those being turned away and rejected all over the world because of where they've come from. Like many of you, I have to face my fears about terrorism and balance them with the command Jesus gave me to love. Love no matter what. You might be asking yourself, what can I do? 
How can I help? Well, I urge you first to reach out to us here at Crossroads Community Church. We've been ministering to refugees for many years and we could use your help. Second, and it's gonna sound pretty simple, you need to pray. Pray for those who are suffering all over the world. Pray for our refugees trying to escape terror in their own countries and pray for President Donald Trump and the rest of the leadership of our country. And we wanna help you to remember to pray for all of these things. I wear a leather bracelet that says real on it. Whenever I look at this bracelet, it reminds me that Jesus is real in my life and I'm utterly and completely blessed. I also remember to pray for those who are fleeing tyranny. I'm gonna turn this over to Josh so that you can learn more about supporting refugees and help us here at Jesus Is Real Radio. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. Truly, the plight of the refugees is urgent. Throughout the month of March, we want to make available to you the same leather bracelet that Pastor Daniel just mentioned. It simply says real on it. When you wear this bracelet, you'll be reminded of God's love in your life and those that are less fortunate. For anyone who supports Jesus is Real Radio with a gift of $20 or more, we will send you the real bracelet as a thank you. Plus, we will use a portion of these funds in the current effort here at Crossroads Community Church to minister to refugees. To receive your own real bracelet, check out JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on the Partner option in the main menu. Well, thanks for joining us today. Please remember to pray for the poor, oppressed, and less fortunate. Until next time, may God bless. Train.